This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Packs What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And this week, we actually have a very special guest. We don't typically get to have guests on. Perry and I were talking last week about how we need to have more guests on the show. And then lo and behold, we found a guest for this week, somebody that I am very familiar with co-hosting. His name is Andrew Mertig, and you may be familiar with his work from the Pack a Day podcast founded by the podfather Andy Herman. Um, And if you've seen somebody with a Pack a Day tattoo on Twitter, that is... Andrew Mertig. So you've seen Andrew's arm probably somewhere on the internet. So that's fun, Andrew. How are you? Thanks for coming on the show. That's a very strange way to introduce me, but I am. <laughs> I feel like I feel like special guest is a little overselling what I bring to the table, but I am super excited to be here. I, I really love what both of you are doing. Uh, Pax, what she said, is amazing content. Uh, Maggie has to put up with me normally, so I'm I'm always a little shocked that she wants to spend any extra time. But yeah, just just super, super honored to be here. Yeah, well, thanks so much for joining us. We know that you are a huge draft person. And with the draft being, I think, what, eight, nine days away officially now, uh, we wanted to have you on the show to talk about some of your favorite prospects. But before we maybe dive into your favorite players and best fits for the Packers, can you give us a little bit of background as to maybe like how you got started or so invested in the draft and because you create your own big board, which I think is awesome. And we'll get to that too, but what kind of turned this from a hobby watching and evaluating players to creating your own big board? Yeah, it's a, it's a really weird story. Um, Incredibly nerdy. Of course, I think as most of our origin stories are and how we get really obsessed with a sports team, but for me, I remember as a seven, eight-year-old, like back when I was growing up, you couldn't just like go to Twitter and find out a bunch of information about your favorite draft prospect, right? Like you would be very fortunate if maybe the newspaper would publish a mock draft, like a first-round mock draft of all of the teams the day before 
the NFL draft. That was like the content you got. So you kind of dreamed of these college players. Sometimes they weren't really good pro prospects. Charlie Ward was like my favorite uh, Florida State quarterback, went on to play for the New York Knicks, thought the Packers should draft him at quarterback. He goes undrafted, right? Like you just didn't know the ins and outs of the draft back then. Then as I got a little older, maybe I would, you know, bribe my parents into like, you know, I would behave myself if they would bribe me with like a draft guide from the grocery (laughs) store or something. Um, So I got a little bit more content that way. And then with the onset of the internet, you know, more and more mock drafts started popping up and it, it just became something that I was really obsessed with. My brother would make fun of me because like when we would get the new copy of Madden, I would just like simulate the seasons just so I could do the draft. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was just always something that I was like very invested in, very interested in. And the, the more that I've gotten into it, the more access I've gotten to, you know, some non like, like highlight film, that's not just highlights, right? Like actual, um, player film, some all 22 stuff and starting to understand what we're looking for. And I, 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 I don't necessarily look at the draft from only a Packers perspective. I like to understand like what players are going to be good so that I can understand the landscape of the rest of the league. And um, yeah, it's just, it's always been this weird obsession of mine. And now as the draft industrial complex, as Mr. Nagler likes to say, has become more and more out of control. um, I'm, you know, really happy to be riding that wave with all the rest of us. That's awesome. I didn't realize that it was something that had gone so far back because I know like for Perry and I and Perry, I don't want to speak for you or anything, but our, you know, investment in the draft kind of got more and more involved as we started doing more and more podcasting. Like I always followed it, you know, I'd watch it with my dad or watch it with my family, but I didn't really like dive too deeply into prospects until I was like, Hey, I actually have to talk about this (laughs) pretty extensively for the podcast that I'm doing. So that was, that was always kind of cool. But um, can you tell us about like your big board and what what that process is like? Are there positions that are easier to evaluate, positions that are really tough to evaluate, and kind of what goes into that? Yeah, well, and and so going back even six years ago, I would sort of watch maybe twenty five to thirty prospects, try to understand like who the top of the draft is, and then after that, I might have some crushes from guys that I saw in in college or um, some players that I heard really good things about. But then, COVID year, I had nothing to do. Right, like so, twenty twenty hits. I'm sitting there in the months leading up to the draft all alone, nothing to do. So I was like, you know what would be really cool. I've always wanted to start grading players, like just putting a number to what I think the prospect is. So I developed this Excel spreadsheet as I'm apt to do, and then started working with some formulas. So one is I wanted to put forward an actual draft grade one to 100 for every prospect that I did there are different categories depending on the position. And then at the end of that, I want to take that draft grade and then add in some athletic testing, add in um, some some uh, a formula that really gives value to the younger prospects versus the older ones. Um, and then also factors in positional value. 
So I came up with this. I've tweaked it every single year. Um, but I think back in 2020, I probably aimed for like 150, 200 prospects. Um, the year after I got really, really bored and I started early um, and I think I hit 250. I will never do that again because it's just like running yourself into the ground. But it, it's something that I have a lot of passion about. So if I can start in January, that gives me like maybe doing a couple prospects a day on average. And then by the time we roll around to April, I can I can start, you know, throwing things into the spreadsheet and getting some numbers. And and that part has gotten me excited because now I have a sort of a history. I can go back to 2020 and compare where prospects ranked then through now um, and and start to see like how guys would rank historically and then start to figure out like what are the ones that I whiffed on big time and then what are some prospects that maybe I had a little bit higher that turned out really good and then sort of you know feed that into the formula and make adjustments as I go. Any ones in particular come out from the past few drafts that you're very proud of you got spot on? Yeah, the, way before like I started doing the whole formula and stuff, I, like I remember everybody was kind of like mediocre on DK Metcalf and I had him as my number five overall player. And obviously him sliding way deep into the second round was a little disappointing. But then to see like how his career has turned out really kind of justified that like, hey, I saw something there. And that always like I always have this philosophy, like, tell me what somebody can do. Don't tell me what mm-hmm. they can do. Yes, there are limitations on certain prospects, right? DK Metcalf, he's never going to be an agile, like, guy that's going to run out of the slot and do quick twitch moves over the middle. But he has this, like, super elite skill set in straight line speed and athleticism, high pointing the ball. And so, like, that's why there's some prospects I will be way higher on than other people. Tariq Woolen is one that I'm particularly proud of last year. I had him raked as, like, my 35th overall prospect. Obviously, he slides into the draft and then has a super rookie year. Um, it was a defensive rookie of the year candidate. So, you know, it's it's those kind of things that you, you look back on finally. And then, you know, you get to kind of sort through the spreadsheet and uh, laugh at yourself a little bit of like, whoa, what was I thinking here uh, with certain other players? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So on that note then, do you have any players that are like going into this draft, maybe some of your favorite fits for the Packers or players just that you think you, you know what, actually let's talk about, let's talk about Jalen Hyatt because Perry loves Jalen Hyatt and you brought out the hottest of hot takes regarding wide receivers on last week's pack a day. So for the, the packs, which said listeners that didn't maybe hear this hot take, I want to talk about Jalen Hyatt before we dive into other prospects that you love. Wait, I'm yeah, excited. I, yeah, Perry and, I, Perry and I might be on the same page. I have Jalen Hyatt as my wide receiver one. Um, really? Which is terrifying. Um, I don't. Wow. He, I don't necessarily think he should be the first wide receiver picked. I don't think the Packers should touch him at 15. But if they could 
either trade down and get him in the 20s, or if he slides into the second round, maybe he's a little bit of a trade-up candidate. Maybe maybe he does slide to 42 or 45, depending on where they're actually picking. Um, I really love Hyatt as what I was just talking about with DK Metcalf. Tell me what you can do. Don't tell me what you can't. There are limitations of what Jayla Hyatt is going to bring you from day one, right? Like he's not a super refined route runner, but he's super fast. He has good hands. Um, I, you know, I, that elite speed is something that I have been hungering for with the Green Bay Packers for a while. Mm-hmm. And Hyatt's a good example. Like his film grade is not as good as the other wide receivers, but when I put him into the algorithm, it tells me he's wide receiver one because he's young. He's super athletic. Wide receiver is is worth a, you know a couple of points in the formula. And so he came out as my 15th overall prospect. I know that's too high for where he's actually going to get drafted. But like it's it's telling me the things that you value are things that Jalen Hyatt does really well. And so you should like him more as a prospect. So, um, yeah. Really big fan of Hyatt. Perry so and even even with his size and the Tennessee offense being what the Tennessee offense was, <laughs> you still like. I'm curious what you what your algorithm like weighs out, right? Because you can look at Jalen Hyatt if you go by RAS, and he has an elite RAS score, even though he has a poor you know, height and weight, right? His athleticism just totally outweighs the fact that he leans a little bit smaller, which is kind of just a pattern with a lot of the, not even receivers, just players in this draft. But like, do you take that into consideration too when you're looking at prospects? Yeah, so I can tell you specifically, this is like the ultimate peek behind the curtain. So Jalen Hyatt got an 82 film grade out of 100. He got docked heavy on route running. Like he had a 20 out of 30 on route running. That's not good. Um, It'll suffice. There are some players that end up worse than that, but it was like he wasn't asked to do enough. So we just don't know. And that mystery leads me to, to dock him on some points. But I gave him perfect scores on speed and acceleration, which doesn't happen. I just thought like these are elite traits. And then contested catching, I gave him 11 out of 15, just because like the diminutive size makes that a little bit better. I, I thought he was a really good contested catcher. It's just that, you know, he's not going to Quinton Johnston defensive backs, yeah. right? Like he's not just going to physically impose himself in, in that. And then run after catch, I gave him an 18 out of 20. Uh, and blocking, I gave him a three. Now three might be a little generous. It's, it's out of five uh, because he's not a particularly effective blocker, but what I, I I will always give a player a three if they try. And Jalen Hyatt <laughs> tries. Because sometimes you just simply like get in the way of the cornerback. You don't need to deplete them. Maybe you even get pushed over, but you take them out of the play. Um, so that left him with a film grade of 82, which is not as good as Jordan Addison. It's not as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba. But then once I calculate the, the formula, let me just find him on my spreadsheet here. So he's 21. And so the way my formula works is you basically get a bonus point for being under 22. If you're 22, you get a zero. If you're 21, you get a one, you know, every once in a while we have a 20 year old and that really helps them out. Um, And then it takes in their RAS score and factors that in. And then also their positional value. And then that just spits out a total number. And that's, that's how I go through my chart. That is fascinating. Is your positional value equivalent to what you would say is like a league standard or is it like how you value players 
it, yes and yes. <laughs> uh, it, it, so, okay, I can tell you this, in fact. Quarterback is plus four. That's, like, by far the most. So sometimes I end up with, like, bad quarterbacks who test really well that end up, like, way too high on my board. That That's un- one of the unfortunate side effects of this. Um, so quarterback is plus four, tackle is plus two, edge is plus two. So those are what I would consider the premium positions. Wide receiver is plus one and cornerback is plus one. So it used to be that wide receiver was a zero. And what I saw was trends in the league starting to shift towards valuing wide receivers a little bit more. So I gave them a little bit of a boost. Then Why I said, is cornerback only plus one and not plus two? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I, I felt like edge and tackle are slightly more premium positions than corner. Um, and it's interesting because while we were waiting for Maggie to come back from her her leave on Pack-A-Day, <laughs> Kyle and I did a breakdown of all of the all pros over the last 10 years in, in the NFL. And what we found was there's a lot of all pro cornerbacks that weren't necessarily picked in the first round. Like it's still heavily leaning towards first round picks, but it's not as extreme as tackle and edge. And part of that might be that slot corners are sometimes considered for all pros and they typically get drafted later. Um, But I just, I didn't feel like the pull was quite as heavy towards, towards corners really early. Now that's interesting because both Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter Jr. This year are in my top six. So they like, it's still pretty easy for corners to overcome that. Um, and I still would consider that a, a relatively premium position. Um, and kind of the net neutral position is defensive line for me. The ones that go a little negative are tight end linebacker safety. And then running back I has have as a negative two. That makes sense. I wonder what Jair would score out for you on your, in your uh, algorithm. Not as good as he should have. Uh, I, that, so the year Jair was drafted, I was writing for Packers Talk, and I was helping put together the, the um, Packers draft pick profile. So as they, they were picked, we, we had like five different people working, and we would throw out a, a full draft profile like a few minutes after the pick was made. And I remember uh, writing a draft profile for Harold Landry, because we thought that's where they were going to go. And then Derwin James, because we thought that's where they were going to go. And then when they finally went to Jair, I was like a little like disappointed. I, I miscalculated him um, back then because I didn't think he was as aggressive and physical as he really was. I think I watched the wrong tape. I was going to say, I feel like that's what I picked up on when I watched him that before that draft season, but it's just interesting, right? Because it just proves that like, there are probably a number of different ways you can go about grading draft prospects. And we see like experts across the league do it too, but it's not an exact science, right? Like these are human beings and you just never know about how they're going to turn out in the league. And I think especially part of that is where they land, right? They, they land in a place that's just like the perfect fit for them. The team picks well, then they could have a much better, longer couple of seasons, more career than if they just happen to go to a team that doesn't like utilize them properly. Absolutely. This, this is a side track here, but (laughs) if you love Jair, which I think all of us do as Packers fans, go watch Clark Phillips, the third from Utah. Okay. 
Well, just with the expectation that he is basically Jair Jr. So do you not see a little Jair in Christian Gonzalez? Christian Gonzalez is like bigger, but yeah. 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 I mean, Christian Gonzalez to me is like amazing. And I don't want the Packers to take a cornerback in the first round, but if it's Christian Gonzalez, I'll make an exception. I think that's how we all feel. He's that good. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 